What's in a name? Hello, this is Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. of the FBI television series with a word about your name and rank. If your name's Glenn, and whether you spell it with one N or two, it means of the Glen or Valley and is a Gaelic residence name. If you are a corporal, your rank comes from the Latin corpo, meaning body, and designates you as a soldier in charge of a small body of troops. What's in a name? Plenty. Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring the adventures of Henry Aldrich, plus a visit with Don Amici and Francis Langford as the Bickersons. Once a week for over ten years, the Henry Aldrich program kept a nation laughing. Henry and his pal Homer Brown had more problems than most adults do today but they always managed to solve them by the end of the program. This excerpt from May 5th, 1949, proves what I mean. Henry! Henry Aldrich! Coming, Mother! Yes, it's the Aldrich family, based on characters originated by Clifford Goldsmith and starring Ezra Stone as Henry with Jackie Kelk as Homer. When you take a typical American family, plus some friends and neighbors, and then add one teenage boy, you needn't bother to stir things up. The boy, if he's like Henry Aldrich, will somehow attend to that. The scene opens in the Aldrich living room. The time is late afternoon. No, Homer, I think you don't have to. You do? I don't? Definitely not. Boy, Hen, I hope you're right. I've been saving for two months to get a new band for my wristwatch. And now if I had to... Suppose she expects me to. She couldn't. How do you know? I'll bet Agnes doesn't even know it's the anniversary of your first date with her. Do you really think so, Hen? Sure, who remembers things like that? My father never does. I'm surprised you even thought of it. Boy, I'll never forget it. Well, okay, Homer, you have a special reason for remembering your anniversary, but Agnes doesn't, does she? Gee, maybe you're right, Hen. And boy, is that a load off my mind. Sure. Sure. Now I can concentrate on my wristwatch. Sure. Do you think I ought to get a brown leather band, Hen, or a black one? I thought I heard voices in here. Hi, Mother. Hi, Mrs. Aldrich. Hello, boys, and congratulations, Homer. Thank you, Mrs. Aldrich. What for? Isn't Saturday an anniversary of some kind? Oh. Your very first date with Agnes, isn't it? Hen. Gee whiz, Mother, how did you know? I was out shopping this morning and I ran into Agnes. Oh. So my heartiest congratulations to the both of you, Homer, and many happy returns. Thank you, Mrs. Aldrich. (laughs) Thank you, Mother. You're welcome, boys. If you want some fruit, it's in the icebox. Who could eat fruit now? See, Henry. So what? So my mother knows. What does that prove? It proves Agnes knows. All right, supposing Agnes does know. What does that prove? It proves there goes my watch band. Not necessarily. Alice, do you know where... 
Hello, boys. Hi, Father. Hi, Father. I mean, Mr. Aldrich. Oh, by the way, Homer, I ran into a friend of yours down at the Emporium today. You did, Mr. Aldrich? Whom? Agnes. Oh. May I ask in what department? I believe it was in Ladies Unmentionables. <laughs> ah. Is your mother in the kitchen, Henry? I think so, Father. See you later, boys. Well, that does it. Homer, why do you keep jumping at conclusions? I'm not jumping at them, Hen. They're jumping at me. I still don't see it. Then what was Agnes doing in Ladies Unmentionables? I don't know. Maybe she was just looking around. Sure, and I know why. Why? To see what she could exchange what I'm going to give her for. Hello? Hello, Henry. Is Homer there? Yeah, he is, Agnes. Agnes? Oh. Let me talk to him. Okay. Here, Homer. Hello, Agnes. Hello, Homer, honey. Oh, boy. Henry, couldn't you think of something that'd still leave Homer enough for the watch band? I tried to, Mother, but a watch band would only leave Agnes 45 cents. You can't get much for that. No, I imagine not. Besides, I think the dozen roses will be very appropriate. Poor Homer. Yeah, he sure wanted that watch band. Uh, maybe this will teach him to change girls at least once a year. Boy, if I only had a little more money, I'd buy him that watch band myself. I'll tell you what I'll do, Henry. Since it's Homer's anniversary, I'll match whatever you put up. How much do you have in your dime bag? A dime. <laughs> well, that gives us 20 cents. Match what both of you put up. There, 40 cents. How much more do we need? About 60. 60, eh? The milk bottles. Henry, there are five empty ones on the back porch. That's another quarter, only 35 cents more. Maybe if we looked under the sofa pillow. Sure. Henry, my pillow. A dime! I found a dime! Look in the corner there, Henry. There's something shiny. Another dime. Father, did you lose a suspender button? There's a nickel, Henry, and two pennies. Here's another nickel. That's 10, 17, 22. Thirteen cents short. Wait, I know what. What? I'll only buy Agnes 11 roses. Fine, we've made it. I'll go right down to the jewelers now and get Homer his watch band. Good. You think I ought to have something engraved on it? Something like success? Henry, this is the anniversary of Homer's winning Agnes, not the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> some silly idea I might try to force it out of Homer, so he's going to pick out the gift. Oh, no wonder. No wonder what? So that's what Henry was doing down there. There? Where? Where's there? I saw Henry in a jewelry store. A jewelry store? Oh, boy! Hello? You're welcome. Who is this? Homer, it's your best girl. Really? Gee, it doesn't sound at all like you, Mother. It's me, Agnes. Oh. Oh. Hello, Agnes. Boy, Homer, the minute I heard I had to call you and thank you. Heard what, Agnes? What you're getting me for our anniversary present. You know? Uh-huh. Gee whiz, everybody knows what I'm getting you but me. <laughs> Talk to you, Henry, right now. What's 
What's the matter? What's the matter? You have the nerve to ask me that? What happened? What happened? What happened? Homer, we'll never get anywhere if you just keep repeating what I say. What you say? Do you deny you were down at the jewelers this afternoon? Huh? Well, don't. Kathleen saw you. Oh, is that all? Aha! Uh-huh. So you admit it. You've ruined me, Henry. I have. How? Did you ever buy a ring for Kathleen on your anniversary? A ring? Homer, don't be silly. Then why did you buy one for me for Agnes on our anniversary? A ring? I bought a ring. Kathleen saw you. Kathleen saw me buy a ring? Well, not exactly buy it, but she saw you looking at them. Rings? I didn't buy... Oh, sure, I remember now. Uh-huh. Sure, while I was waiting my turn, I just looked around. Maybe I did glance at some rings. Glance? Then you didn't buy... But Kathleen told Agnes she saw... See, Homer, you got all excited over nothing. No, I didn't, Hen. But, Homer, I didn't buy a ring. Yes, but Agnes thinks she... I... Henry. Yeah? I'm engaged. And now getting back to the troubles of Henry Aldrich. Henry's visit to a jewelry store has been misinterpreted by both Homer and Agnes... She thinks she's getting, and he thinks he's giving her an engagement ring. The scene opens in the Aldrich living room. It is the next day. <laughs> uh, hello. What is it, dear? <laughs> Listen to this letter that came in the mail today. Dear Mr. Aldrich, I am a young high school student who suddenly finds himself engaged to another young high school student, female, of course. My goodness. As a lawyer, I would appreciate your advice on whether I can escape. Escape? Yeah, but that's crossed out and changed to whether I can disentangle myself, and if so, how. Sam, who's it from? Yours truly, desperate. Oh. Well, what about the handwriting? It's printed. Then there's a P.S. Kindly attach your answer to the lowest branch of the big maple tree in the empty lot on Olive and Fifth Street. (laughs) Then there's a P.P.S. Kindly enclose a bill for your fee. Uh, Just a minute, Alice. There is also a (laughs) P-P-P-S. When naming fee, kindly bear in mind that the writer is a poor, underline, young high school student. Alice, you don't suppose... been giving it a lot of thought, Agnes, dear. So have I, dear. You have, dear? Yes, dear. Well, what do you think, dear? I agree with you completely, dear. You do, dear? Of course, dear. Sure. Everybody agrees that long engagements aren't good. That's absolutely true, dear. They're terrible. And so I think we ought to reconsider the whole thing. Don't you, dear? Well, did you tell her? Yes, Henry. What did she say? She agreed with me. She didn't think long engagements were good either. No kidding. See, Homer, I told you talking to her person to person would get your results. I certainly did. Henry, are you busy June 1st? No, why? I thought you might like to be my best man. <laughs> Anonymous letter, Will. Yeah. 
Oh, Homer, stop staring into your soup and stop, start eating it. Uh, that's what Sam told me, Elizabeth. Imagine a high school kid doing a thing like that. And Sam didn't know who it was. Oh. Homer, stop that. All he said was the note was signed desperate. A high school boy. You know, Will, if it didn't sound too ridiculous even for him, I'd guess it was Sam's own son, Henry. Oh. Homer, stop fishing around in your soup with your fingers. Take another spoon. Well, whoever he is, he's an idiot. What about his parents? They're idiots, too. <laughs> do you suppose he's figuring on moving her in with his folks? What else can he do? You know what I'd do if I were that kid's father? I'd take him and his idiot bride and ship them right over to her idiot parents' house. Homer, if you're having that much trouble holding onto your spoon, tie it to your wrist or something. Here's another spoon, dear. Fish out the other two. It'd serve him right to have to live with a girl's parents. Let him use their pots and pans and utilities. Let him eat their food. Oh, boy. Homer. Homer, come back here and clean up this mess. Homer. I wonder what's got into that boy. Pots and pans, Henry. Utilities. Take it easy, I'm Homer. too young, Hen. I'm just a kid. Homer, you're, you're getting hysterical again. Take another drink of water. Thanks. Henry, what am I going to do? I don't want to live with the Lawsons. Easy, Homer. Easy, boy. There was a letter from my father on the tree today. There was? What did he say? He said if Desperate wanted advice to drop in in person. We can't do that, Henry. Then he'd know. Look, I've got it all figured out. We can tell him we're friends of Desperate, and he asked us to represent him. Sure, sure. That's what we can do. Come on, Henry. Hello, Father. Hello, boy. Hi, Mr. Aldrich. Father, do you recall a communication you had from a party who prefers to remain nameless? Oh, yes. Desperate, wasn't it? That's right, Mr. Aldrich. Well, he's sort of asked us to represent him. Oh? Sort of the party of the third party, you might say. I see. You mean you have his power of attorney? Well, no, Father. We... He didn't know it was necessary. Mr. Aldrich, couldn't we discuss it purely hypotheoretically? Why, yes, I suppose so. Uh, now, what exactly is Desperate's problem? Well, he sort of found himself engaged. Against his will, Mr. Aldrich, against his will. I see. So what can he do to get disentangled? Before he gets all mixed up with pots and pans and utilities. I see. Mm, well, let's see. This same point came up in the case of Schneiderkopf versus Schneiderkopf. Who won, Father? Schneiderkopf. <laughs> oh, is that good or bad for the third party? Uh, well, in a divided opinion, the Supreme Court decided that in the event of a reversal of sentiment on the part of one of the contractees to an engagement, the dissenting party was obligated to so inform the said partner to said contract. Really, Father? <laughs> the exact wording of the decision. That's very interesting, Mr. Aldrich. Did he get any time off for good behavior? <laughs> I'm afraid you don't understand, Homer. He was no longer engaged. What? But how did he get out of it? He called the girl and told her it was off. That's all? That's all. And Agnes couldn't do anything to him? I'll say. Thank you, Mr. Aldrich. Thank you. Homer, stop kissing my hand. <laughs> you should have been here, Alice. It was a riot. <laughs> I can imagine. What did Homer say after you? Well, in the first me? place, he looked 30 years younger. <laughs> 
Then he and Henry began to discuss how to break it to Agnes. It seems Homer didn't relish the idea of breaking it to her face to face. So he thought Henry should do it. Inasmuch as Henry was responsible for his predicament, having been seen in the fatal jewelry store at the fatal time. Poor Henry. Oh, he's not doing it. Henry was as reluctant to face Agnes as Homer was. Then how? It was finally decided that Henry would break the news to Kathleen, who in turn would break it to Agnes. My goodness. When is all this going to happen? Well, Henry left for Kathleen's about an hour ago. Homer kept saying, hurry, Henry, before my father finds out. Hurry, Henry, my father will kill me. Is that you, Henry? Yes, mother. Yeah, did you see Kathleen? Sure, I just came from there. Well, how did everything go? Well, I said, Kathleen, I said, don't you think Homer and Agnes are a little too young to be engaged? After all, I said, she may find someone she likes more than Homer. That's not bad. What did she say to that? Well, she said, what if she doesn't? My goodness. And then I said, still, Kathleen, a, a young girl can have much more fun going out with lots of boys. Then what happened? Well, then we talked a little more about boys and girls and the advantages and disadvantages of being engaged and things like that, see? I see. And how did it come out? I think I'm a little bit engaged myself. <laughs> what? If Homer and Agnes had been married, after a few years, they might have sounded like this, as we feature Don Amici and Francis Langford as the Bickersons. It's like sleeping with an outboard motor. <laughs> I wish this boat was safe. John, John! What's the matter, Blanchard? It's bad enough getting tossed around in mid-ocean without listening to that whining and snoring and rasping. It's been going on for three hours. I wish you could hear it. I hear it. Must be that fat guy in the next cabin. <laughs> is any fat guy at all. It's you. You've been snoring like a man who's choking to death. I'm so sorry I came on this trip. I could cry. Why did you make me go? I made you go. You were the one who didn't want to offend your cousin Eunice. I thought you said she was wealthy, Blanche. She is. She's heir to her father's steamship line. She's a hostess on a live bait boat. Fine <laughs> honeymoon cruise on a fishing scow. I still say it was nice of her to invite us. What do you mean, invite us? They're charging us $4 a couple. We had to bring our own worms. Don't worry. I saw you with that bunch of no-good friends of yours making fun of the ceremony. You and your jokes about matrimony. Oh, put out that. You're a fine one to talk about matrimony. You don't even know the meaning of the word. It's not a word, it's a sentence. That's too bad about you. I suppose you told those roughnecks I forced you into this marriage. Did I ever run after you? Blanche, I want to sleep. Answer me. Didn't you hang around my house night after night bringing flowers and candy and heaven only knows what? Did I ever run after you? Listen, a mouse trap doesn't run after a mouse, but it catches them just the same. How can you say such terrible things? I did everything I could to discourage you, and you know it. Did I accept you the first time you proposed? No. Why not? Because you weren't there. I knew it. There's somebody else. Oh, Blanche, there's nobody else. I've been a trusting fool all these years. You stopped loving me the day you married me. That wasn't the day at all. What? I mean, I never stopped. Good night. <laughs> 
Blanche, will you settle down so we both can get a little sleep? I don't see how you can sleep at all on this thing, the way it pitches and tosses. I can sleep fine if you'll only let me. Well, I won't let you unless you promise not to snore anymore. Oh, Blanche, can I help it if I snore? Yes, you can. Dr. Hersey says you snore because you have a long uvula and it flutters against your palate. Put out the lights. He says he can cure it in his office with a very simple operation. Why don't you let him fix it? I'll let him fix it when we get home. You say it, but you won't do it. Do it now. What? Go on. Get up and let Dr. Hersey pull out your uvula. Are you out of your mind, Blanche? In the first place, it's four o'clock in the morning. In the second place, we're in the middle of the ocean. And in the third place, I'm not going to let that medical thief hack on my uvula. He doesn't hack, he's scared. I don't care if he knocks it off with a hockey stick. Nobody is going to lay a hand on my uvula. Now put out the lights. In a minute. Blanche, what are you doing? I have to get ready for bed, don't I? You've been in bed for three hours. Every night you cream your elbows, spray your chin, roll your neck. Just when I try to get some sleep. Put out the lights. I haven't finished my face yet. Your face is finished. <laughs> no, it isn't. I have to let this grease pack set for ten minutes, otherwise it has no effect. Grease pack? It's guaranteed to make you beautiful in five treatments. And this is my fourth. It is, huh? Yes. Boy, that fifth treatment must be a pip. That's too bad about you, John Pickerson. Maybe your other girlfriends don't have to use face cream. I had to open my big mouth. What a fool I am. I go through torture to look good for you, and you reward me with half a I just wish you had to take a whole day out of school or have your eyebrows done. Why do you have to wave your eyebrows? I don't wave my eyebrows. I have them plucked. What for? Because it sets off my eyes and improves the lines of my face. Your eyes are offset enough and you got plenty of lines in your face. You don't have to pluck your eyebrows for me. Yes, I do. You do not. I like them the way they are, nice and bushy. That's a left-handed compliment if I ever heard one. Well, I'm left-handed. Throw away that stuff and let me get some sleep. I notice you never complain about Gloria Gooseby's makeup. Ooh, no, don't start with Gloria Gooseby. She has to struggle out of 12 pounds of cosmetics before you can even get close to her. I always get close to her and she never struggles. What? I hate the sight of Gloria Gooseby and you know it. Why do you always stare at her? I never stare at her. Not much. You made an absolute fool of yourself the way you followed her around at the wedding tonight. It was a crazy dress she was wearing. That strapless thing with the two big buttons on it. What buttons? Those were your eyes. I'll bet I could have ten men tagging after me if I could afford the clothes she wears. Your clothes are better than hers. That's what you say. If you want to know something, the dress she wore tonight had a big rip in it. Oh, you were seeing things. Yeah, but she wore it just the same. That wraps up another edition of the Golden Days of Radio. I hope you've enjoyed the past half hour. And here's a fact from Uncle Sam's Almanac. Thousands of stock tickers tell the story of the industrial economy in the United States, and millions of Americans own shares of that economy, making public ownership of private enterprise tick. It's brought greater prosperity to more people than any other system in the world. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next time on the United States Armed Forces Radio Service. Thank you.